HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. I'm Akiko Katema, host and producer of Japanese on Heritage Radio Network. I've been a part of the HRN community for four years now, and even after all that time, I'm constantly inspired by the incredible voices of our network. Each week, I record my show in HRN Studio because I'm excited to bring you, our listeners, the most important stories from the world of Japanese food. This year, HRN is celebrating its 10th anniversary, but we need your support to keep food radio going strong for the next decade. Join the HRN community today by becoming a member. Please go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio to Wordless in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Ken Fonataro, the founder and CEO of the Culture Group, which offers a unique educational programs about fermentation with the focus on Japanese and Asian-style foods. Fermented foods are increasingly popular nowadays for their deliciousness and health benefits. Ken is one of the leading experts of fermentation in the U.S. So today we'll discuss how he became fascinated by the world of fermentation, classic Japanese fermented foods that you can make at home, and much, much more. But quickly before you start, Japan is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write a review. We really be appreciate your feedback. Uh, also, if you have any ideas about topics of show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japaneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or at kikotema.com. Now let's start our conversation with Ken Ponotaro. Hello, Ken. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Good. So, uh, so first of all, uh, where are you from 
And what did you eat when you grew up? Well, um, I'm from、uh, central Jersey, from a part、uh, that's called Monmouth County. And one of the really amazing things about that part of the country and that part of New Jersey is that on one side there's the Atlantic Ocean, and about five miles in, there's the most incredible farmland and farms. So growing up,、uh, although、uh, we were definitely not wealthy,、um, we had access to all the benefits of nature,、mm. really. So、uh, my father and my family were, were fishermen, they were farmers.、Uh, my, uh, both of my grandmothers were just astonishingly、uh, good、uh, chefs. Wow.、Uh, and, uh, you know, back then in, in that time, about 50 years ago,、um, Society was still pretty much set up in the way that, you know, that we were all immigrants, right? And you came、uh, to this country and you did what you could.、Uh, and fortunately for、uh, both of my grandmothers,、uh, they were just they were well trained in cooking. My French grandmother was like, could cook anything in French.、Uh, my Italian uh, German uh, grandmother could. Uh, she, when she was born, she was born on a,、uh, a collective up in the mountains where they would、uh, not only farm, but they would preserve foods, they would ferment foods. So there was this. I come from a long tradition of, of doing that. And, and growing up,、um, it was also traditional for the men to go out and get jobs that didn't depend on、uh, so much, you know, basically.、Uh, Sources of, to bring income in from outside of the whole farm and family establishment.、Mm, uh, not the cubicles. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, right? And one of the things that was、uh, really interesting to me is that my grandfather was actually a noted、uh, microbiologist.、Mm. Uh, he was born in Maine.、Uh, I, I believe he was a professor at Colby College for a while. And he actually. From a very, very early age, taught me all about like microbes and bacteria and、wow. yeasts and things.、Um, he used to take me out on nature walks、uh, to both the ocean and to, through forests, etc. So,、um, in conjunction with my grandmothers, who, who just, I think maybe they noticed in me the Willingness and eagerness to learn about how to make everything. Right. Well,、uh, you so, said you are not wealthy, but to me, you are the wealthiest you can think of in the right? world. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, I, I, it, was, it was paradise as far as I was concerned.、Mm. And、um, interestingly, as far as uh, Japanese uh, cuisine goes,、um, my mother had a friend who,、uh, I, I mean, I'm not really sure why this, ever ha- why this was happening, but She would go to Japan once a year. Wow.、Uh, and I was, was like, okay. But she always made a point of bringing me, I know, at the time I was maybe five or six years old, back these little presents. And they're usually like food like presents. And I can remember when I was six years old eating these crackers. I guess they were like typical senbai or crackers or whatever they are, and thinking, oh my God, I have to. To know how to make <laughs> these are the best things I've ever had in my life, right?、Mm. And that progressed over the years where、uh, I think, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12,、uh, I started to like actually 
asking for a specific thing, like domestically, oh, could you get me like some of this the next time you go to Japan? Mm. Um, and in conjunction with, uh, you know, at that point, uh, my family as well uh, was really reaching out into the like restaurant and food industry where, um, uh, you know, when my father or my mother needed someone to like babysit for the kids mm-hmm. it was like okay why don't we just bring them to work with them so i spent a lot of time uh, in my grandmother's bakery where uh, my father taught me how to make breads and use yeasts when i was like six or seven years old so mm. i really i think that might be where the fascination came from right well that's my next question so you saved my time yeah i really clearly yeah. see how you got there so yeah. but you started working already working as an executive chef or a restaurant mm. named uh, the Her- the Hermitage in Boston. The Hermitage, yeah. And I was uh, it was 19 years old already. So how yes. how did yeah. it happen that you were Well, it's, this is kind of an interesting story. I was going to school uh, at Brown University and my grandfather, the the great scientist, he really wanted me to uh, to be a doctor and a mm. scientist, etc. My mother, however, and my, the rest of the family really wanted me to be like a comparative literature language major because uh, by that point I was speaking lots of different languages. Mm, uh, from and, your heritage. Yeah. Right. And she, you know, she basically, when we were growing up, because we were still immigrants and like, you know, you wanted to do uh, one of the things that they instilled in, in kids at that age, like you really want to do the best you can mm. and... Uh, what you really want to do, coming from uh, a restaurant and food service industry family that was depending on farms, what you really wanted to do was to get out of that lifestyle, mm, right? Like right. You, people really didn't want their kids growing up to be like cooks <laughs> or chefs in restaurants, right? right? Like, uh, which is it kind of presented a problem worldwide, I think, mm. actually. But yeah, that's uh, right. So, from uh, being a chef, I mean, professionally cooking, and then you, I heard you got into uh, fermentation through a um, certain, you know, place <laughs> of, uh, like, behind the restaurant, there's a store. Yes, th- this is, okay, so, when I first got to college, I met this person who was very, very big in the entire restaurant industry in Boston, and... Uh, one of the things that we did as friends, because he was a very wealthy person, and his family was running many restaurants, his job, as the youngest son of many sons, was to go all over the world and to try different food at different restaurants mm. to see how they were doing in comparison, right? So he would take me along with him. And I, I think I remember my sophomore year in college, uh, by that time... I had not only experienced a lot of different kinds of foods, but I had actually ended up cooking for him and some very, uh, I guess, well-placed people in the food service industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them said to me one day, a very famous chef, I don't want to name drop anyone's name, but she said to me, listen, you are an extremely talented chef, and you should pursue that. Mm. And uh, I actually ran that by my... Uh, my grandparents at this time, they were adamantly opposed to it. And, uh, but, you know, I, I guess maybe chefs are born. I don't know, but right. I really wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And so 
I think I, I and I took this letter of recommendation mm-hmm. that was given to me to this place called the Hermitage, which is an Imperial Russian restaurant, right? right. You can't make Imperial Russian restaurant food mm-hmm. without this really sour plum sauce mm. called tecmale sauce, right? Mm. The thing about that is that uh, the only place I could really source anything like that was from this place that was out the back door of the restaurant called Erewhon, mm. right? Where what we decided to do was to use umeboshi plums mm. for that sauce, right? Well, actually, I looked up that, uh, you know, famous, there's a, the pages about this place. Mm. Um, so natural food pioneer in the United States, that's called the Yufon. Uh, Erwan. Erwan. That is completely screwed up with the. That's from a, I think an Emerson or a Walden thing where it's supposed to be nowhere backwards or something. Or okay. Something. Yeah. And then uh, it was like um, really a pioneer of this. Be way very talking about fermentation, now kombucha, everything. But that was yes. really the kind yeah. of pioneer. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And that's where I met um, Misho and Aveline Kushi, mm-hmm. who were obviously from Japan, who brought over George Ozawa's whole Japanese conception of macrobiotics, mm-hmm. uh, which was at that time a food healing system. But with them, they brought the whole. I really, the, I, I pretty much credit the Japanese with creating, in large part, the mm-hmm. entire like fermentation part of the whole foods movement, which in the uh, 60s and 70s, for example, mm. when people like Bill Shirtleff and uh, Akiko Ayogi, uh, who was also Japanese, went back to Japan to this massive tour of all these like miso makers and shoyu makers, etc., mm. and then created this uh, really huge, indispensable library of foods online after they published books like the Book of Kudzu, the Book of Miso, the mm. Book of Tempeh, you know, the Book of Natto, etc. Right. Uh, but I met all these people and became, they became my friends. Mm. And wow. so I not only adopted the macrobiotic lifestyle and followed that, but everywhere I cooked following that, I would try and introduce different fermentation techniques that mm. were primarily Japanese fermentation techniques. Right. Okay. So... We'll take a quick break here, and uh, after the break, we'll discuss the Japanese fermentation. So, right. Yep. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com.
Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese podcast live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, and my guest today is Ken Fonitaro, the founder and CEO of the Culture Group, which offers unique educational programs about fermentation with focus on Japanese and Asian style foods. So let's talk about Japanese fermentation. And、mm. I, think towards, I think the most essential element is koji. Well,、uh, I would agree. With, I, I'm not so sure it's the most essential as much as it is the most spectacular.、Mm. I mean, I, I know, like, you've had uh, uh, Jeremy San, for example, has been on here as well. And, and Jeremy's a friend of mine, and a lot of people who yeah, are. Yeah, Jeremy Umansky, a blogger、right. in Crib and Ohio. We call him the Koji Goat. He's、right. the Goat of Goat. <laughs> he's, he's spectacular,、right. uh, as are. Uh, there's a group of、uh, quite a few of us.、Mm, like Richard s h e e Yeah, Richard s h e e There's also, and I want to say something about this too.、Uh, for the last two and a half years, I've actually kind of working, been ver- working very closely with the, the Shockies, who have written several other books. But、um, I know that Christopher actually spent a little time in Japan, right? And、uh, at, at a certain point, they decided that. They, they were actually approached to write a book, right? And they actually wrote this book, which is out in two weeks. And the entire, this entire book is about、mm-hmm. miso,、tempeh. natto, and tempeh, right?、Mm-hmm. But this is the most, this is the, and you know, there's obviously a big section of stuff that I did on how I use koji,、um, why I think it's like the most spectacular.、Mm. Powerful、right. microbe ever. And,、yeah. So, c- uh, could you explain what koji is for the listeners well, who are familiar it, with? It's actually,、uh, it's actually a mold, right?、Mm-hmm. And、um, it, it, it basically grows all over the world.、Uh, and、um, the thing about koji is that it really is very cooperative. And combined with other microbes, Combined with yeasts and bacteria, it can produce spectacular things.、Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the, the things that the Japanese, especially, should be really quite proud of is that it, they not only adopted it as their like, national fungus or、yeah. whatever, <laughs> right. Right? but they spent hundreds of years studying it so intensely and domesticating it. Mm. Uh, because a mold like that in, it can actually be a dangerous thing if it's not the right、uh, species of that mold. Interesting. Right? Right? That's true. And、right. what the Japanese did over hundreds of years was to really carefully cultivate specific molds that some of still exist in only in certain areas. Of Japan, where the, a certain product was made.、Mm. Like, you know, you could go to Akita, for example, and the yeast and the koldi exist s in a specific wood that's、mm-hmm. only in that one place, right? Right. Well, But, the koji is、uh, known for growing well, like, grows well on rice, right?、Uh, so, well, any plant, actually.、Mm. Um, any aspergillus. And here's the thing if with koji, especially, unless you get the right koji, Uh, it can produce these things called aflatoxins, can、mm. be, which can ruin entire crops. Which in the United, United States, I mean, 
the corn growers and even some of the rice growers are, like, are constantly fighting against this. Mm. The thing that the Japanese really gifted to the world was they studied it closely enough, they domesticated it, and really extensive studies now indicate that the koji that we use and the koji spores that I would highly encourage people to get directly from Japan, mm. spore makers, is almost genetically, it's almost genetically impossible mm. to create something that will kill you or harm you. Right. Actually, that's, um, that's brilliant. Right. right. In a couple of weeks, I have a koji spore um, producers from Japan. So, right. they, I heard they have like 5,000 different yeah. kinds. Well, that's the thing about <laughs> koji, too. It's like, depending on how you treat it and depending on the environment, like I can, I can make now koji, if I like reduce the amount of air that it has exposure to, I can make it create more proteases mm. to break down proteins than amylases, which will break down sugars. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the, the brilliance of koji is that you, it makes so many enzymes mm. and secondary metabolites that add flavor, that add umami, that can do things like not only clean up ocean oil spills, mm. but if they can break down the bonds uh, between in in beans and grains, uh, in wild roots and plants, so that all those nutrients are immediately accessible mm. to human beings. Wow! I mean, it's just a, a brilliant. Yeah, microbe. I didn't know that the clean up ocean clean up yes, aspect yeah, I mean, of that's, it. That's the amazing <laughs> thing. Uh, that's another thing that Japanese should be very proud of. In in 2007, they announced that they had completely determined exactly what the genetic code of Aspergillus was, Aspergillus mm. oryzae. And um, since that time, using uh, bacterial uh, genetic sequencing tests, etc., the field of research into what code can actually does has exploded, mm. right? And if you look at any of the, the, the current scientific literature on what can be done, like there there's some like, you know, there's this scientist in Japan uh, whose name is uh, Hideo Ibato, I think, uh, who wrote about the industrialization and the commercialization of the, the production of miso, for mm. example. And in it... Uh, he really clearly describes how, because we know so much now, instead of having to, uh, and you know, we have to, we always have to think about the sustainability of certain processes and how um, something can be made and keep its integrity, but at the same time, um, we always have to be concerned about how much how much energy it takes to produce something, right? Mm. So this particular scientist discovered that. You know, the way we make amasake, for example, or the way we make uh, shokoji, for example, they're really the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that's one of the important things that I want to emphasize about why koji is so spectacular, mm. is that all the scientific work that they've done on it, they've realized if you take amasake, which uh, Umatsuki-san, for example, is very... Mm -hmm. Uses a lot, right? So, amasake. so um, well, basically, you know, for listeners who's not familiar with mm. koji, so you can make a, you know, of course, Japanese um, sake, 
mm-hmm. miso yeah. and uh, rice vinegar that Japanese people soy sauce and then like it, there's nothing almost like that yeah. doesn't touch koji in Japanese yes. <laughs> categories so so amazake is a good example so what is amazake and um, what's what's what is, what is good about it um, well amazake it's primarily there are two major contributions of Japanese fermentation and why it's not only so fascinating, you, you could spend your entire life just uh, working on these. There are bean-related ferments and there are grain-related ferments. Mm. And on one side you have like hamanato and fermented soybeans, mm-hmm. or any bean really, and on the other side you have rice. And for the rice part, when you're breaking down the carbohydrates or the, the sugars in that rice so that they're more accessible Mm -hmm. to things like yeast to make sake or to make amasake as well. Mm -hmm. You need to break down those sugars. You sprinkle the spores of koji, grow on something. Right, whatever you choose, but usually rice. Rice is a fantastic medium. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, whatever surface started to be broken down because of koji that eats whatever they got stuck to, so that creates some reactions. Enzymes. Right. What that does is create enzymes. Koji is well known. I mean, we've already we've identified about 3,000 different enzymes mm-hmm. that koji can create. Right. right? And it, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, depending on what you want to make with it, um, you can make amasake, right? But almost using the same exact technique, except allowing, like, for some lactic... Uh, bacteria to uh, invade the amasake, you can then make sake, mm-hmm. or you can just like not go that far and make doboroku. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's that's the really brilliant thing about amasake in particular. Right. So doboroku, by the way, is kind of speakeasy kind that, of sake. Okay, right? okay, yeah. <laughs> right. That's like country-style sake, which uh, mm. I th- um, I'm sure it's not... Well, some places in Japan can make it, but legally it's... it's <laughs> they discourage you from doing that from home because, you know, Japan is one of those countries where they have to, uh, you know, they've gone through famines at times and they have to really control, uh, you know, what's good for the country and what can, you know, mm-hmm. be output as far as making sake, et cetera, because, right. you know, it's, it's a huge source of revenue in, mm-hmm. in the country. So right. you have to be really careful about that. And they do it really well. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. That's you know, a- National yeah. mindset. Yeah. But so going back to Amazake, Amazake is basically, it's a, you know, the rice. Um, rice, rice broken down into like a sweet pudding. Mm-hmm. Right. A sweet rice pudding. You can use that to, instead of sugar, right? Mm. And it still has alive digestive enzymes in it, right? Mm. So that's why if you were uh, worried about like sugar intake, et cetera, Use the use amasake, mm. and that will help you slowly digest right. uh, not only those sugars, um, but I mean, because they're already pre digested. That's one of the brilliant things about mm. Japanese fermentation and fermentation in general is that these things are pre digested mm. right? because the code you just keeps counting stuff up, right? right? Even even if even after it's done, mm-hmm. right, you're not gonna kill. Right. The important enzymes that have been created. Mm. Right? So in a way, it's digesting food for you. That's so, right. So that you are, your work is half done by 
Yeah, that's <laughs> cozy. right. And yeah. that holds true for beans as well. Mm, so that's it's like a miso, thing. miso, yes, right? Absolutely. Miso, right. Um, all miso is partly made with uh, soybeans. So and rice, right? Koji usually, right. right? Right. So that's a combination, and you can add more barley or you know spice. Yeah. Miso. So that kind of thing. So miso is another thing, and uh, can you make miso at home? Oh, yeah. 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 So, actually, as I was saying, this whole book mm-hmm. is about how to make like 25 different types of miso, mm-hmm. 25 different types of koji. I mean, this is really quite a spectacular work. And、uh, people around the world really contributed a lot of their life's work、mm. to this book. It's really quite spectacular, actually.、Right. So it's mis- miso tempeh, natto. Yeah, it's、okay. by the Shockies.、Right. And,、uh, okay. Um, All right, so, but,、um, you know, I think it's miso used to be everybody was making a home. Like, new bride had their own family right, taste, and right, they have、yeah. to adjust it to the new family's taste,、mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So,、uh, how long does it take to make miso?、Um, I can make a, a miso in、mm, probably seven days. Oh, wow.、Uh, yeah, I mean, it really depends. Miso, see, that's the, the really fascinating thing about koji. It's like, Depending on how you manipulate it, right? I mean, in miso, just like sake,、uh, just like shoyu,、um, has to undergo a certain process. And、um, in the past, it used to be all about seasons,、mm. right? The weather and the humidity would dictate what happened in both the sake and the miso, et cetera. Like, you want at first, the very first thing you want to do. Is to create lactic acid bacteria、mm. so that basically that clears the way for all the good yeasts that you want in there、mm. right, to develop. And then over time, what happens is the actual koji, with all of its different enzymes, will start to break things down slowly、mm. over time. And that's why.、Um, You're never going to be able to replace something like hacho miso, for example, or some of the longer aged misos. But、um, there are ways that we know now because of scientific advances that you can accelerate processes. Like with, with, with sake,、uh, you have the sokujo type of thing where now I think almost most sake makers will just add lactic acid to their, their shubos or,、mm. or motos at the start.、Um, You can do that with misos as well. If you look at some of the misos that are available on the market,、mm. um, they're adding either specific yeasts that would take a long time to develop in them,、mm. or they're adding a little bit of,、uh, you know, some people are adding the B vitamins that the yeast would make over time.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, in the past,、uh, miso making was like this great community event,、mm. and everyone got together and they did it. And it, 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 It really created strong cultural bonds. It was a tradition. And、um, I think that people really need to get back into doing that、mm, together. Right.、Um, everywhere. But yeah, you right. can. Right. So, so that's why I just want to mention quickly. Well, unfortunately, today's show has to be a little you know, shorter.、Yeah. But、uh, um, yeah, so you have、uh, the group called the Culture Group, which、right. is educational. Um, um, like program provider, 
that you organized. So, um, so I, I know that last class, for instance, we had um, in May, you taught people how to make miso, how to make shokoji, which is mm -hmm. you know, koji and uh, grown with salt and uh, rice. And uh, I made it before. That's pretty easy. And everything after marinade in shokoji, it's, everything is magically tasty. Right. And uh, it's like a miso it's like a you know, quick instant version of real miso. Like, you know, we put some uh, ingredients in it so you could have like all those things in the fridge. You can mm. quickly make a miso soup, right? That's the idea. Mm. And uh, you have um, other interesting pickles and all those teaching. So, yeah. yeah, is it available to everybody? Yes. Yeah, whatever we do is what, what we're doing is uh, we really kind of took a little time out to help out with this book. But what we're doing now is we're, we're posting on uh, our website, mm -hmm. culturesgroup.net, uh, all of our recipes that we've, uh, over the last 40 years, have mm. been developing. Um, some are pretty unique, um, and a lot of them are trying to educate people about the ways in which everything is pretty much basically similar, mm. right? And all the recent scientific studies as well are now showing that Japanese really knew what they were doing, mm. right? Even hundreds of years ago before they had microscopes or anything else. And they knew that allowing certain things to occur just would turn out a certain way. Right. right? Out of necessity, too, because yeah, they had course, to make right? everything That's useful right. without throwing things away. For yeah. I mean, we, we, for example, we, we use co corn mm -hmm. to make koji, to make miso, to make baked goods, mm. etc., and uh, in the past that was kind of considered an inferior thing to make koji with, like in Japan. I mean, maybe like in Shinjuku, for example, they might be a little better known as using corn for that purpose. But all of these fermentations really are based on the need to survive. Mm. Well, it sounds great though, corn. It's fantastic. <laughs> it really, really is. Oh, yeah. try it's, that. Yeah. Right. Um, so, okay, so um, so basically your website is culturegroup.net, right. not .com, .net. .net, yeah, right. we're a net group. Right, so the, the book, uh, before we close, uh, yeah. let me see, the, the title, Miso, Tempeh, Natto, and Other Tasty Ferments, Step-by-Step uh, -step Guide to Fermenting Grains and Beans. Yeah. So the authors are Kristen uh, Shoki and the Christopher Shoki, yes. and then you contribute to the book as well. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a big section that I do, uh, there's a big section that Rich She does. Mm. There's a big section from Jeremy Umansky. There's a big section from uh, Cheryl Passwater from wow. uh, Contraband Ferments. Yonatani uh, uh, san and uh, from who owns NY Nurture. Mm -hmm. She's a, right. uh, and a doctor. A doctor and, who. Right, and, and Yonatani. Right, right. Who makes natto. Right. Um, so it sounds like it's like a collection of the knowledge of. Yeah, but this is really. The, and the references, the background research that was done for this book is incredible. Okay. I mean, they, in, they have read just about every paper that's come out right. scientifically as well. And they really also get into the whole nutritional benefits Great. of fermented foods. Right. right? All right. So uh, it's coming out soon. Uh, in two weeks. Okay. Exactly, in two weeks. Yeah. All right, so listeners, uh, miso tempeh natto. Yeah. 
All right, so we have to wrap up. And so again, uh, Ken's uh, website is culturegroup.net, and it's a war Cul- of. Yeah. Cultures Group. Cultures, sorry, Cultures yeah, Group. Uh, plural, culturesgroup.net. All right. All right. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today, and maybe you can join us again. I would, and talk I would even love more. that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I mean, the weather. Yeah. We can control the weather. Right. right. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. So, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or get, uh, guests, please contact us at japanese at heritagevideonetwork.org or kikukatema.com. Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritagevideonetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.